Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 18. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When I look at the news and I read about the horrible, horrible, horrific things that people do to each other and and to children. And I hold my grandbaby. She's eight months old. and, And I look at her and I think, how can someone hurt a baby? What is wrong with you? And you look at the things that are, are happening in the world today and the things that people do, and, and, and in my spirit I say, come Lord Jesus. And it seems like he's taken a long time. Sometimes you say, Lord, where are you? But listen, at the end of the day, we have two options. We stress. When stress and difficulties come, you can either pray or faint, or what I like to say, pray or pass out. Or you can First Peter 5, 7, it says to cast your cares upon him because he cares for us. I, for the last four, five days, you know, even Jordan, you remember Jordan Gibbs going home service last uh, um, Saturday? Thank you. It's a blur to me. And uh, last Saturday and, and, and all week long, I've been thinking about that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege. That's the key word. Did you hear me? What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Y'all know that song? Some of y'all don't know it. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. In there a verse that goes, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not Carry everything to God in prayer. Can I tell you something? In the Greek language, here's your Greek lesson today. In the Greek language, the word everything means everything. (laughs) Aren't y'all smarter now? Don't you just feel smarter now? Everything means everything. We should carry everything. And don't misunderstand me. Pastor Rodney is guilty. And we're all guilty of not taking everything to God in prayer. Don't you understand that God is concerned with everything that goes on in your life? But you think you got it. 
I mean, we, how often do we say, you know, God, I got this. I got this. I got, you know, you can talk, talk to the hand. I ain't listening. God, I got this. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But we think we got this. You don't have it. God's got it. Somebody clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. God's got it. And we need to take everything to the Lord in prayer. And that's why, again, saying so many years, we have had monthly prayer meetings here at the church because prayer is the power behind God's work. Prayer is the power behind this church. Prayer, somebody once said, is the TNT to the life of every believer. And the reason we lack power and dynamite in our lives is because we fail to pray. Can I ask you something? Maybe you feel like something's missing in your life as a Christian. Well, could it be that you don't pray? Because if you don't pray, listen, you can read the Bible till you're blue in the face. Because the Bible is God's word, is God talking to you. This is God talking to you. Prayer is you talking to God. And you've got to have that two-way communication in order to have a relationship. It's not that hard. So we need to pray because it's important. It's the power behind the church. Listen at this story about the Prince of Preachers. I love it. Hope you enjoy it. C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. By the age of 17, he had a congregation number of around 3,000 in London about a century ago. And the church was being built called the Metropolitan Tabernacle, and it was huge. And ministers and preachers and church workers were coming from all over the world to see Spurgeon and see what the Lord was doing at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And then one day on a Sunday afternoon, a group of ministers came in and they were walking around the tabernacle that seated 7,000 people. And as they walked around, they saw a stout man over at the side of the building wearing bib overalls and assumed him to be the janitor. And they said, sir, would you be so kind as to show us the power plant of this beautiful structure? We would like to see where the heating comes from and, 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 and that, that heats this large building. And the man said, certainly. And so he led the group of ministers through a hallway and down a stairwell into a basement area. He walked through a narrow corridor and he came to a door and he opened it up and he said, brethren, this is the power plant of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And these guys looked in expecting to see some mighty furnace or some great heating system. But what they saw was over 200 men on their knees in prayer on this Sunday afternoon, praying for the Sunday evening service that would take place in just a few short hours. And the guy in the overall said, that's the power plant of the Metropolitan Tabernacle, a group of men who pray. And they stuck around for the service, and they were surprised to see when the service began, a man stepped up to the stage and stood behind the pulpit, and he was the guy in the overalls who they thought was a janitor. He was actually C.H. Spurgeon. You see, Spurgeon knew where the power was, and Spurgeon knew where the fire was produced, and he had people praying for the work of the Lord at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Any person... Any spiritually powerful person is a person of prayer. Can somebody say amen? 
any church. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's okay, because it's true. And any church that is effective is a church that's praying. I remember some years ago, you know, because our church, I don't know if y'all know this, but our church is quite different than the average church. We're smarter than the average bear. I don't know why I said that. And uh, so some years ago, because our church is different, because our church is truly multicultural, and that's what I love about our church. We got all kind of people that go to our church. We have people, I love that. I'm going to wait while you clap. I, I love that. And, 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 and for years, and some of y'all don't even know this, but for years, we had a predominantly white church. We had seven, eight, nine hundred people, all white, and maybe four or five black families for five, seven years. Some of y'all remember that. It was a predominantly white church. Well, the News and Disturber, I mean, the News and Observer, they, <laughs> that's a long story, don't ask. And, and, but they were just shocked. They were shocked. They were like, all these white people, and there's a black senior pastor. So they wanted to do a story on us. And they said, well, can we do a story on you? I said, they were, at that time, it was about, you know, the New South and racial reconciliation. They were really into all that here in the Triangle about that time. And they said, you know, we'd like to do a story on you. I said, okay. And I said, you know, I, you know I'm very careful about, you know, print media. And uh, I want to be quoted for what I say, because if you print me in stories like that, News and Disturber, I'm going to talk about Jesus. And uh, somebody say Amen. And uh, they, they asked me, they said, so now we just really want to know, how is it that you got a multicultural church? I said, oh, you you asking me how, how is it that I got the black people and the white people in the same church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I said, because at that, at that point, you know, more blacks were coming and it was, it was changing and things were, and God was bringing people. And, 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 and even now, I mean, we have people from Africa, from Nigeria, from East, uh, East, East, from Tanzania, East Africa. We have Indian people. We've got Asian people from China and from J- Japan. And we have Hispanic people. We've got an Hispanic ministry. I don't even, if you know this, but if you come to first service, then you don't know this. But at third service in the sound booth, um, there's a, a Hispanic, an elder here who translates the service while I'm preaching. So if you come in, and this is for some of your friends who may not speak English, and they, when you want to bring them to church, bring them to third service, and they can check out a hearing listening device, and they can sit anywhere in the sanctuary, and the service will be translated in Spanish. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That's just great. So they wanted to do a story, and, and, and they did a story, and they were, they were shocked that I was a senior black pastor, not a black pastor on staff. Y'all know I'm keeping it real. Say hallelujah. All right. Y'all know I love you. Oh, but they were shocked, the senior black pastor and all these white folks. How'd you all get them all in here? I told them prayer. And I told them the word of God. I honestly believe if you teach the word of God, I have never been concerned with who comes to church. I do not care if black people come to church. Amen. Amen. I do not care if white people come to church. That's not my concern. My concern is to be faithful to God's word, to teach the word of God, and God will bring the people in the door whom he wants to be in the congregation. And look at you. Are you here? 
We need to be faithful just to do what God has called us to do. We got to move forward. Point number two, you still tracking with me? Don't quit. Pray persistently in verses two through five. Now listen close. There are different kinds of parables. And some are parables by direct comparison and analogy. And some are parables by contrast. Well, this is a parable of contrast. And I'm going to give it to you early of what it's about, and then we can discuss it. Jesus in this parable is simply making the point, if an ungodly man is going to put up with the continuing nagging of a widow asking for help, and he doesn't want to do it, but he does it because of her persistence, then how much more will our Heavenly Father answer the prayer of his children? As simple as that. That's what the parable is about. Notice in verse 2. Now, when we think of a judge, are you looking at verse 2 in chapter 18? If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. There was a certain, in a certain city, a judge. Now, when we think of judge, let me have your attention, look at me. When we think of judge, we think of Judge Judy. <laughs> judge Judy, rough. Judge Judy tell you, shut up! I love Judge Judy. Or we think of judge, we think of Judge Mathis. Judge Mathis, the man. We think of Judge Mathis. Or let me go old school for some of y'all old school people. Y'all remember Judge Wapner? <laughs> y'all remember Judge Wapner? If you remember Judge Wapner, wait, Judge Wapner was the man. He started all this. See, everybody else hanging on his robe. Judge Wapner started all this. If it wasn't for Judge Wapner, there wouldn't be no Judge Judy or Judge Mathis. Now they got too many judges on. One judge so corny I can't stand. I throw the something at the TV every time I happen on him. I can't stand it. Anyways, so when we think of judges, and we picture in our mind an ancient judge in the scriptures, and these ancient judges, they had a tent, and he was more like a circuit judge. And he would stand at the gate of the city and hear legal cases. So this woman, she had two hurdles to cross. Number one, she was a woman. You see, in those days, there was no equal rights for women. Ladies, listen, you come a long way, baby. You come a long way. Number two, she had the obstacle because she was facing an unjust judge who didn't care about God or what people thought of him. But this woman had no husband to plead her case, and so she goes and she's bold. And she doesn't timidly say, um, uh, ex- excuse me, uh, your honor, could you uh, help me out? She says, avenge me. Not revenge me, but avenge me, but he wouldn't do it. Now, in those days, listen, the office of a judge was often bought, and decisions were made based on bribes. And so this woman had no money. Her only resource was persistence. And so here we have this judge whose job it is to administer justice, but he has no respect for authority or God or the opinion of men. This woman comes into the court area asking for help and he says no he came out to his car at the end of the day and she's standing there and he said no he's driving looking in his rearview mirror and she's following him and he said no he pulls over to stop for gas and she pulls up next to him and he says no and he's in his house and he looks out the window and she's parked outside of his house now this woman is not persistent she's a stalker She's in her car and she's calling him on his cell. Hey, can you help us sister out? And he says no. And the next day he's going to work and she's back again. And he said, listen, 
I don't have respect for God, authority, or the opinion of men. But because she troubles me in verse 5, I will avenge her, lest by her continual wifely nagging. Oh, I'm sorry. Where did that come from? That was my alter ego. I don't need, Stop it. Because of her continual nagging, it says, she wearies me. Now, get this. You'll love this. In the Greek language, this word, she's wearying me, it literally means she's giving me a black eye. Not only is she a stalker, but she's violent. Or it could mean she keeps coming, she keeps coming, and he's losing sleep. We're not really sure. I'm just joking. Point number three, finally, we end here. Don't doubt, pray positively in verses 6 through 7. In verse 6, go ahead and look at it. The Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says. Now listen close. Jesus is not comparing God the Father to the unjust judge. This is not a parallel. It's a comparison. Think about it. Our situation as children of God is entirely different. You take notes, you might want to write something down right here. Our situation as children of God is, t- is totally different. Why? Number one, when we pray, we're not going before an unjust judge. We're going before a loving father. Can the church say amen? Jesus told us when we pray, we're to say our what? Father in the Hebrew, Abba. When we pray, we're coming to a loving Father who knows our needs. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. Now, for me, that's not hard to know. But for some of y'all, that's a little more difficult to know. We serve a loving Father who cares for you more than you can imagine. A loving Father who wants you to talk to him and pray right to him. Pray right to him. And if you need prayer, you don't have to call Pastor Rodney. And you don't have to call the priest, and you don't have to call the pope, and you don't have to get on the Rome red phone to talk to God, and you don't have to go to the priest so the priest can go to Mary. I used to be Catholic, please understand. The priest goes to Mary, Mary goes to Jesus, Jesus goes to the Father, the Father tells Jesus, Jesus tells Mary, Mary tells the priest, and then the priest tells you. By the time we go through all those processes, I... I, I don't need it anymore. It's all taken care of. We don't have to go through that. The Bible says, let us boldly come unto the throne of grace that we might receive grace and help in a time of need. Are you glad about it? Listen, you can pray anywhere. Are you glad about it? You can pray anywhere. You can pray in your car. Pray while you're driving. Please pray while you're on the 440. Because people, folk, crazy on the 440. People want to cut you off and, 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 and wave at you. With one, with one finger, we're going to leave it like that. We're going to leave it like that. We're going to leave it like that. Amen. I want to go further, but we better leave it like that. But we need to be, we can pray all the time. We can come to God. Number two, our situation is different because, are you taking notes? She was a widow. We're the bride of Christ. She had no husband to stand with her in a time of trouble. We are called the bride of Christ. We stand in him and with him because he loves us. His love is so deep and so high and so wide and so long, we can never fully comprehend it. Number three, she had no attorney to represent her before the judge. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, If anybody sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The word advocate means defense attorney. 
When accusations are lodged against us and Satan reminds us of our sin, our attorney, Jesus Christ, stands up and says, I object. I paid for that sin a long time ago. Number four, she was appearing before a court of law. We don't appear before a court of law. We appear and we stand at the throne of grace. So Jesus says, here we have this judge who is heartless, no regard for God, no regard for his fellow man, and yet he is heartless with self-motives, and then he finally, and then, and, and he finally says, I'm going to take care of this lady because she's driving me crazy. Look at verse 7. Shall not God avenge his elect who, who cry day and night to him? Are you looking at verse 7? Who cry day and night to him, though he bear long with him? In verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge him Speedily, nevertheless, the Son of Man comes when he comes. Will he find faith on the earth? God says when judgment comes, it's going to come speedily. You take your notes? That word speedily is very interesting because in the Greek language, it's the Greek word entexia. We have the word tachometer. It literally means quickly or speedily. You have the same word, write it down in Romans sixteen twenty. God will crush Satan under his feet shortly or speedily. Revelation chapter 22, verse 6 reads this. These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show his servants the things which must shortly or speedily take place in Texia. The word doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean fast. Because we've been waiting for the Lord for 2,000 years. That's not fast. It speaks of, this word entexia, it speaks of the rapidity of events with acceleration. In other words, once you start to see the end times events, they will increase with RPM and they will get revved up. And it won't be long and leisurely and unfolding events. Things will happen and then bam, 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 tighter and tighter and tighter, closer and closer and closer. Jesus will come. Mommies, you know what I'm talking about. Labor pains. You get that first one. You could be out anywhere. You get that. Look, when the baby ready to come, baby coming. He don't care if you're all pretty up and at a nice dinner. If he ready to come, it's coming. The child's coming. You get that first baby. Oh! And you go, oh, that me just kicking, he just kicking. Oh, oh, that's a really, really hard kick. Oh, and before you know it, oh, 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 I'm in labor, I'm in labor. And now we got to rush. See, it starts, but things get revved up, things get revved up. If you look in the world today, listen, we don't have time for it, but you look around the world today, don't you notice things seem to be revving up? Things seem to be getting, like the coming of the Lord seems closer and closer and closer. Jesus is saying, when, not if, but when, did you get that? The Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When he comes, will he find faith on the earth? I pray he does. And I pray he comes, when he comes, that, that he finds Christians full of faith, not getting stressed out about what's going on in the world. Keep the context in chapter 17 about the end times and what's going to be happening and Christians getting, because Christians are, oh, you know, look at what's going on. And we get all caught up in what's going on, not realizing, listen, what is going on is a prelude to the coming of the Lord. 
And then someday we're going to be in the presence of the Lord like Jordan Gibbs is right now in the presence of the Lord. And in the presence of the Lord, God's going to take his hand and touch your face. And he's going to wipe away all the tears from your eyes. And there'll be no sickness, anybody listening. And there'll be no sickness, and there'll be no sadness, and there'll be no, no suffering in heaven. And there's going to be a reunion with your grandmother and your grandparents. And, and, and there's going to be a reunion with your friends. And we're going to be standing around the throne singing praises to God. Don't think worldly men have something you don't. When Jesus comes, will he find a persistent widow or faith of his elect crying out to him, come Lord Jesus, come. That's where our focus has to be. We've got to have our focus on heaven. You know, some folks are so earthly-minded, they know heavenly good. I'm going to say that again because I like it. Some folks are so earthly-minded, they know heavenly good. You're stuck down here. God wants you to look up to him because his redemption draws nigh. And he could come at any moment. Are you ready? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.